You may be seated. On behalf of our church family, welcome. And thank you for taking the time to remember what was a very, very special life. At the conclusion of our service today, you're most welcome to stay for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. I encourage you to take the time to talk with one another. This morning is part one of a three-part Easter for us here at Activate Church. And if at all possible, can I encourage you to be here on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for a celebration? And then also Sunday evening, we are going to go together and see the Risen movie at the Hoyts Theatre. Tickets are $10, and you will be able to purchase tickets in the foyer from Luke after this meeting. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Easter. I'm the first to admit that I don't understand the gravity of what happened and what you accomplished at Easter. In part, maybe, but certainly not fully. So it is our privilege this morning to turn our focus and turn our attention toward you for this time with thanksgiving in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on our time together with weight this morning and that it really would be a time described as holy. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here lies Jesus of Nazareth, also known as Jesus the Christ. Jesus was a much-loved son, well-known for his carpentry and a leader of thousands of people. Self-proclaimed saviour of the world, his untimely death came as his influence was really only just starting to gather momentum. Jesus is, or was, particularly well known for his working of miracles and for challenging traditional and religious and traditionally religious thinking. His death came by way of crucifixion. That is, he was beaten severely and then nailed to a cross. Today we turn our thoughts towards this God-man who had no crime. He allowed himself to die as the ultimate act of love for all humanity. like to invite you to stand and sing with us. You'll find the words for the songs inside your order of service. Consider all thy works 
thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great Great. 
then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, when Christ shall of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble God, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to I would like to invite our friend James, the brother of Jesus, to come and share a eulogy. Good morning. On behalf of our family, Thank you for being with us today. My name is James and I'm Jesus' younger brother. And on behalf of our family, I share you this eulogy of Jesus' life. Jesus, the oldest child of Mary and the late Joseph, and like his dad, was born with a hammer and a chisel in one hand and a great sense of humour in the other. Unlike my other brothers and sisters, Jesus wasn't born at our grandparents' place. Rather, he was born in Bethlehem on the 25th of December in 4 BC. Mum and Dad said Jesus' birth was unlike any other they'd ever seen or heard ever before. He wasn't born in a hotel or our grandparents' place, but he was born in a stable where there are animals because the place of Bethlehem was chocker. But there were some really strange things that happened on Jesus' birth. There was a bright star in the sky above where he was born. And Dad said that a few days later, these strange men in funny clothes came from the east and gave him gifts, even a big bag of gold. 
They stayed there for a little while in Jerusalem and moved to Egypt and came back to Nazareth. And Jesus went to the Nazareth Primary School. He got on well with his friends, enjoyed sport. His favourite sport was javelin throwing. He won the school competition for three years in a row. He was excellent at it. I think what made him so good is not only <clears throat> did you have to throw javelins, you had to make them, and our dad was a master carpenter. So Jesus spent a lot of time in our dad's workshop learning how to shape wood and chisel it so he could make an excellent uh, javelin. Then Jesus went on to attend Nazareth High School, uh, where we had to learn the Torah. That's the first five books of the Old Testament every day. I was just amazed at Jesus. He would learn it faster, recite it faster, memorize it faster than anybody else. It was like you'd think he'd almost had written it himself. Around the time that Jesus was 12, uh, we would go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover as a family. And uh, the, the journey was long and the roads were dusty and grimy and I really never liked these walks because we get this thick dust in our sandals, but I was always excited to go. On the way home, uh, my parents thought that Jesus was hanging out with Cousin John, um, but that evening they couldn't find him, and so they made their way back to Jerusalem, and there was Jesus talking with the religious leaders about the things of the Old Testament. Uh, my mum wasn't very happy, and nor was my dad, and uh, Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. And my dad scratched his head and thought, I'm a carpenter, what are you doing in here? But I wasn't surprised at all that Jesus could hang out with the religious leaders and really have them stumped with some of the things that he knew. You see, Jesus in the carpentry shop, one of the jobs that he did was to go and collect timber. We'd go into the woods for two or three nights every three or four months and we would cut down trees and... We had a lot of fun doing that, but at night we'd light a fire together and just sit around the fire and talk and joke. And we would talk about the Bible and some of the hard questions that I had there, and he could always answer them. Jesus' fame as a carpenter went far and wide, and we got invited to many weddings, not because we knew these people, but because people wanted Jesus' furniture. And so it was quite good to be on the wedding list, knowing Jesus was going to make good furniture. In fact, he made all sorts of things. One of the favorite things I liked that he used to make was wheelbarrows because he, I used to sit in them and he used to sort of run me around the neighborhood on these wheelbarrows. And uh, this old lady didn't like it because she th used to think we were going too fast. And one day we had a pothole and out I came and we just laughed our heads off altogether. But something happened in our family when Jesus was about 25. Our dad, Joseph, died and, and Jesus took over running the carpentry business and by this time, Jesus was a master carpenter himself, and I was now working in the business. But I could tell Jesus had other business to do. So he said to me, James, I'm giving you five years to learn how to become a master carpenter, how to run this business, and then I'm off doing other business, telling the world what God is really like. And when Jesus turned 30, some really interesting things happened. Our cousin, who we really enjoyed his company, John, was killed by Herod. And things really changed for Jesus from that time on. He started doing miracles around the place. And, you know, we would get invited to all these weddings to bring furniture. And then he got invited to one wedding in Cana, and I was there with him this day. 
And um, our mum came up to Jesus and said they've run out of wine. And uh, Jesus said, well, let them sort it out. And mum said, no, you've got to sort it out. So I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. So <clears throat> Jesus said to the, the guys that were handling out the drink, just get some um, jars of, and fill them up with water and then take it to the MC. And so that's what they did. And then the MC put his cup into the jars and he went, Wow. This is the best wine I've ever had at a wedding. Usually they give the best wine at the beginning and leave the, the less quality to the end, but you've done it the other way around. Jesus came over to me and said, you just watch all the extra wedding invitations we're going to get now. <laughs> we had a great laugh about that. I really love Jesus' sense of humour. It's one of the things I'm going to miss most of all. He was so good with his hands as a carpenter and he was so funny to be around and he always made me feel really good. But as I was running the business, he was out there doing the business of telling people about God. He thought that was a good thing to do. I didn't always get that, but he was doing good things. And then these, I would read about him in the newspaper and it would be these sort of headlines, rock star rabbi feeds 5,000. I'm going, Wow. And then there was our close friend Lazarus who died, who Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going, flip, was my brother a prophet or is he even God? This is incredible. The newspaper would have other amazing articles like the A-lister from Nazareth is in town. Come and be made well. It was great to see all these headlines, but all these other headlines turned up too about the religious leaders that really were getting angry and mad at Jesus. And one of the, the headlines read, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Well, that got the religious leaders really ticked off and I knew my brother was in serious trouble. I tried to tell Jesus just to cool it off a bit. But he said, you leave my business to me and you look after your business. Okay, you're a big brother, you know what to do. So this last week's been incredibly tough for us as a family. It's been incredibly tough for me to watch my brother go to trial for something, to be accused of things that he's never done, to be whipped, to be mocked, and finally to see him on a cross. We just feel absolutely numb. We're absolutely bewildered. I think about what my parents said when Jesus was born, when people came and said, this is the saviour of the world. And I guess what has really done it for us and done it for me is... Here is a saviour on the world and yet Jesus is on the cross and he says, it's finished. It's finished. And that's how we feel. It's finished. I don't know what we're going to do or where we're going to go, but thank you for your support today. Thank you, James. Rex, would you like to come and pay tribute this morning. Jesus was a truly remarkable man. And the thing that I, that impressed me most of all about him was that he was able to change the atmosphere wherever he went. It didn't matter what had been going on before or who had been dominating the scene. The moment Jesus appeared, 
He changed the whole atmosphere. Wherever he went, he created a, an environment of, of, of hope, of, of faith, of joy. His presence transformed the situation into his terms. He, he, he was like a king ruling in his own domain, just carrying dignity and, 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 and taking control. And when he spoke with authority, things happened. There, there were exorcisms and healings and miracles and restorations and resurrections. People raised from the dead back to life again. I remember Jesus as the one who brought heaven to earth. Thank you. Rachel, would you like to come and pay tribute this morning? Jesus, thank you for your friendship, always beside me, whenever I need you. You are always there, ready and waiting, with your arms open wide. I love it that I am never alone. You never leave me, always with me, through good times and bad. Thank you for your honesty, which teaches me to be honest. A quiet word in my ear about a word to say or a tongue to hold. Thank you for your sense of humour, making it okay for me to laugh too. Thank you for your discipline, the gentle chiding or the firm smack that reminds me of the right thing to do. Thank you for being the example that you set of how I should act, talk and be. Thank you for the blessing that you pour into my life and I love how it sets an example to me of how to bless others. Thank you for your faith, your wisdom, your grace, your beauty and your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness, each day forgiven anew to live each day afresh by your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice, for giving up your life for my sins, your precious blood poured out for my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Rachel. On your order of service, you'll see on the back, it's a little so small, I'm sorry, because we wanted to fit it all in so you could think about it later. You'll see scripture there from Matthew chapter 27. <clears throat> if you haven't got an order of service, I apologize. But as typically with Jesus' life, more people turned up than he was prepared or the disciples were prepared for. Matthew 27 from verse 32 says, Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. They went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave him wine mixed with bitter gall. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers 
gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. About three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocked, split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said this, This man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. I have one question to ask us this morning, and it comes from verse 39. Verse 39 reads, The people passing, sorry, the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. This morning, my question to us is, what would you have said to Jesus that day? You see, public opinion was pretty intense. 
What do you think you would have said to Jesus that day if you had walked past the cross? There was a bit at stake. Your personal image was at stake. Your reputation would have been at stake. Your welfare, your safety, maybe even your life would have been on the line if you had interjected. If you had expressed a different opinion to that of the crowd, you really would have been risking your life. It would have been a little bit like, and I've really underdone this, but it would have been like a lone all-black supporter in the middle of an angry Australian crowd. Or maybe even worse than that, it would have been like a lone vegetarian protesting against eating meat at a massive South African braai. You really would have had your life in your hands. What would you have done? This morning I want to leave you with this question. What would you have said if you walked past Jesus that day? What would you have said if you walked past Jesus that day? Can I invite you to stand with me and we're going to sing the, sing the second of our songs this morning. Here I am to worship. Together, wonderful to me. 
my sin upon that cross I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that start to come please again I encourage you to stay for a cup of tea or coffee as we conclude here this morning and I warmly invite you to celebrate with us on Sunday morning let's pray Father I thank you for Easter Father, I thank you for what Easter means for humanity. And I ask that this morning would bring bring something of a revelation of your goodness and the cost that you were prepared to pay so that we can be in relationship with you. Father, I pray your blessing on your peace on every person that is here. And I also ask for a sense of divine peace on every person. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to do the committal in just a moment. And I encourage you as Jesus leaves the building to follow his casket. And the pallbearers are going to lay him to rest in the hearse out the front. And can I encourage every person here to take some rosemary and to make it your intention this morning to place some rosemary on Jesus' coffin and say what you would have liked to say if you'd walked past him that day on the cross. Say what you would have liked to say. I encourage every person to do that. For so much as it, for so much as it has pleased Almighty God to take the soul of this dear one from this life, we therefore commit his body to the elements, ashes to ashes, dust to dust looking to the infinite mercy of God.
Amen.